We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's joined by my co-host, Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? And it's been a tough, tough week. I mean, low scoring, but giant killing week. Uh, but I'm really glad that we have uh, our good friend on the show. Yes, indeed. We are joined, of course, by Dr. Dubner, Michael Dubner. You know him from his best ball work. Uh, he's uh, just one of the one of the top best ball minds in the industry. So real pleasure to have him on. Michael, how's it going? Hey, Blair and Hassan. It's good to be back on the report. But I must say, I was expecting expecting to come on the podcast in a much more chipper mood after you know dreaming about Eagles by three t- three touchdowns and the game being over by halftime. But man, was I wrong. And instead, I'm coming on the show the most tilted I've been all year. So I hope your Sundays were better than mine. Uh, it's It was a, I mean, that game was, I don't know, it was a fantastic game, like start to finish. It says, like, again, it probably, we should probably start with it, right? Like, because there was just a lot going on there. Um, it says, it says a lot to me more so about what the Jets' upside is, even with, man, even with Zach Wilson under, under center and, um, it probably says a lot about like the Eagles' issues in the secondary, right? Like, like I mean, if you went to the Gillespie or the strength of streaming app, it had the strength of streaming app. The strength of uh, yeah, the SOS app had NYJ quarterback as a top player of the week, right? So I wanted to get your thoughts here, Dubner. Like, what is going on with the Eagles' secondary, and is that why, my, my, like, you know, Garrett Wilson was able to go off for? I forget, is it, was it eight catches, eight for 90, or was it nine for 80? I'm forgetting right now. <laughs> it was a big game, whatever it was, and that's also with Garrett Wilson leaving multiple times during the game uh, because of an injury. I think it ultimately shows us the importance of, especially in fantasy, if we're trying to target a defense, it's when you start to see these, um, when you get multiple injuries at one positional group, especially on defense, like in the secondary, you can start to see a defense fall apart pretty quickly. And also you see, two um, big defensive I mean, injuries for the Eagles with Jalen Carter missing this game. Um, so then you start to affect their, their ability to get pressure as well as their ability to cover. That's kind of fall apart pretty quickly. But honestly, the Eagles defense, you know, sure, they gave up some big important plays to Wilson and Brees Hall at points during this game, but ultimately they played pretty well. They only, they held the Jets to not many points in this game. Um, so I think more of the fall on the Eagles offense and this game really does show you actually how just talented the Jets defense is 
Um, and ultimately they can hang with really good teams. And obviously it was a, a bad game on the Eagles part. They did have four turnovers, but I think it, it, it more shows how good the Jets, every positional group is except for quarterback and how good, good of a team they would be if they did have Aaron Rodgers or, you know, like a non Davy high school quarterback uh, <laughs> under center. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, obviously the Eagles offense didn't play well, but it, it is important to remember the Jets are actually a pretty good team on defense. How worried, kind of given that information, how worried are you about this Eagles offense? I mean, a lot of a lot of mistakes today, but maybe that's not indicative of how they play going forward. I mean, ultimately, they're going to still project to be a top five offense every single week. Um, with the talent they have and how concentrated of a skill group it is, you know, AJ Brown is still going off. They just he just set the record for like most hundred twenty five yard games in Eagles history or something with four in a row now. Um, uh, DeAndre Swift is still looking really good. Um, he's really taking control of that backfield. Um, the bigger concern for obviously I Dallas Goddard, like he had a slow start, but has the the tight end designation. So really if you can just start anybody that's going to be getting receptions on a good team, you can you can start him. So the the bigger question mark on this offense moving forward still is Devonta Smith, who um, is a young, exciting player with a good profile. He had plenty of opportunities today, made a couple big mistakes today where he could have had easily another possibly a 50-yard touchdown, at least a 40-yard catch. Um, so he definitely left points on the table there, um, and he's had a couple of down weeks in a row. Um, we could definitely see Sirianni try to you know, get squeaky, squeaky wheel going for him like he did for A.J. Brown, like he did for DeAndre Swift, and like Smith did last year as well. Um, but right now, Smith seems to be kind of a shaky start right now, but I could easily see him bouncing back as well. Um, they have a couple of exciting games coming up. I believe they play the Dolphins next week, which will probably be the game of the week. Um, and they have a couple of other big games during the season. So I'm definitely not nervous about the Eagles offense from a fantasy standpoint right now. However, a big in- injury to monitor right now is Lane Johnson because, man, that backup was just he was free turnstile for the Jets defense uh, after Johnson left. They just got pressure on her day after that. Yeah, they were getting pressure just sort of rushing too, I think, just sort of attacking the one weak spot. Um, and with Jalen Hurts, he, he still had a pretty solid game too. You know, uh, 28, four, uh, completed 28 of his 45 pass attempts, but 280 yard, uh, 280 yards in the score, also one on the ground. Unfortunately, it's like the three INTs that, that aren't great, right? Uh, the issue, the you know, the concern there, like as you mentioned, with that with, with Lane Johnson's backup is DeAndre Swift, and they also seem to go to Kenneth Gainwell and you know to get something going. Swift with only uh, ten carries, eighteen yards on the ground, just not getting anything done there. Uh, not like Gainwell was, you know, he had a couple of plays, but not like he did much better. Two for thirteen. Um, I, I didn't want to get Swift did have ten targets, so sure he wasn't yeah. great on the ground, but I don't really think the Eagles. They're they're pretty good um, game planning. Like if they know the ground game isn't working, they'll just you know go pretty pass heavy at that point. And Swift is very involved as receiver, so I'm not really worried about game script for uh, for Swift here. Yeah, yeah, neither am I. It really is. It's, it's sort of like looking at Smith's line. Like I'm still looking at Devonta Smith's line. Eleven targets, five for forty four. Right, like that. As you mentioned, he had a couple of big drop passes, but compare that to AJ Brown, nine targets. Right, but seven for one thirty one. I mean, that's just like, I mean, the guy made some grown man plays down the sideline. 
like j- like j- like just stuff that you haven't seen. And like he was kind of matched almost bound for bound there with Ga- with Garrett Wilson as well, right? Like I mean, I mean Garrett Wilson had a couple of massive massive catches, and we're we're kind of reminded why we were taking this guy in the second so early, where he was going with the one two turn, and it's really frustrating. Like I think us as fantasy players, especially those who went overweight on him over there as a decision are not, are have all these Klansky bucks because we were right. I mean, like we're right. You know what I mean? Like, like this was the Garrett Wilson that we were expecting all season. And instead this, you know, we're getting this like shell of himself type of guy. I don't know. I wanted to get your take on, well, one, I wanted to get your take on AJ Brown. Like where, like in your opinion, is he like just going to be a first round pick or are people going to be afraid of this like low flow Eagles, Eagles passing offense, uh, which you know d- didn't seem to come to pass. Like, like I mean, like, would you be taking? I get if I was to ask this question, where are you taking AJ Brown next season, or where are you taking Garrett Wilson next season in best ball? I think that's a little bit of a harder question. Um, I think this year, right now, AJ Brown, I can't really is off the top of my head. Maybe three receivers I would definitely have over him. But he's probably right around a top five receiver rest of season for me for this year. You know, next year it's a little bit different um, when he's a, another year older, but he is still looking like a beast. So, you know, I could see him going back in like kind of the same areas this past year where you see him in the back half of round one again for A.J. Brown. Um, Garrett Wilson, it really comes down to quarterback. You know, he he he's looking like the guy we thought he was. He's probably a top five or ten uh, dynasty receiver, and it depends on how functional that offense can be. If you can get a competent quarterback, you know, he, I would like to take him in the back half of round one again, just like I was doing this past year. Um, I'm not sure what your thought, thoughts are on Blair for Garrett Wilson, um, and especially with Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback again. He's another year older. He's coming off an Achilles. Um, so there there are certain question marks there. It, I don't have any questions about Garrett Wilson's talent. It's more the situation. Yeah, I think I'd agree with both of those valuations. You know, Garrett Wilson was – probably my favorite pick in the first round this year and unfortunately it hasn't worked out obviously but we see even with Zach Wilson you know Zach Wilson not even having a good game and Garrett Wilson can you know put up something that's respectable at least you know what's this 17 PPR points so that's not what you're hoping for necessarily but um, it shows that he definitely has that talent so, yeah, I can still see myself going back to him in round one if it looks like the quarterback situation is going to be improved. I know there was some video recently of Aaron Rodgers actually throwing the ball, which uh, is good off. to see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he was putting his weight on his front. Like, dude, I really, like, especially given your medical background, like, I wanted to get like just sort of a rational level headed take here on Rodgers' thing again at all during the regular season. Um, like, it's just weird right like i wanted to get your thought on this like recovery timeline and just sort of you know do we should do we even expect to see him as in the regular season at all to be honest i'm not an ortho let's just get this up up in front i'm not an orthopedic surgeon i I don't deal with uh rehabbing these injuries i'm an initial radiology resident so um i definitely don't deal with like the timelines of these injuries my initial reaction is just i can't really imagine Aaron Rodgers playing this year, I could definitely be wrong, and I would trust you know the Twitter orthopedic and physical therapy doctors more so on this one. Um, I don't really have any hopes of of Rodgers playing this year. 
Yeah, I mean, neither do I. But uh, I don't know, man. If there's one guy who's going to defy anything that has to do with medical and science, it's him, right? <laughs> he can um, sure he can defy defy whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Just save our Garrett Wilson bags. Uh, on the other hand, a guy who is looking like a first round pick next season, Brees Hall. He only, you know, he touched the ball twelve times today, rushed for thirty nine yards and a score. But it was his five catches for 54 additional yards that really sort of salvaged his day. You know, he he is finally seeing the bulk of the carries, um, and he's looking pretty spry, you know, from, from that ACL. I wanted to get your take really on here on Brees. I mean, you know, they, they face off against whatever the Giants' turnstile run defense. But where are you? Where is your head at with Brees Hall next season and rest of the season here? I mean, I'm really excited about Brees Hall. I wasn't – I he's probably my – probably my highest exposure player in best ball this year. So um, very excited to see him getting started early. When I was drafting Brees Hall, I think he could have been a league winner maybe from weeks like eight, eight on through the playoffs. So the fact that we're, he's looking this explosive this early, uh, I was really expecting it kind of after the bye and once when you get into the second half of the year. Um, but he is looking like the real deal and exactly as good of a time as we thought he was. And I think the Jets are now, um, you know, they started to bring him on slow at first, but they they really see that he is a playmaker on this offense. And if they want to win, they have to get him the ball. And I think that at the very least, even if they have Zach Wilson at quarterback, at least they're recognizing that Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall are there are two playmakers and they have to get them the ball if they're going to win. Um, so they're at least showing a commitment to that. I think it is kind of impressive how aggressively they used him as a receiver today and i wonder what the reasoning behind that was um because they're clearly seeming to phase him phase out the others and they're also giving him you know i mean that was like that really is what's standing out to me on on the breeze hall front is just how aggressive they are with him in the receiving game i just want to get your take was it like was this like a defensive scheme thing on the eagles side that they saw because i know the eagles have actually been good against receiving backs apart from this game yeah the eagles are historically i Blair might have better data with this, with his uh, the uh, incredible matchup column. Um, but the Eagles, at least just from you know watching the film, they're an incredibly tough run defense, and they get through the air. So I imagine this was more of a matchup play. But obviously, Brees is just a dynamic playmaker, so you want to get the ball in his hands however you can. So if they thought they could run the ball well today, but they could pass it, they still wanted Brees Hall part of their game plans. But I'm not sure if Blair has a, a different take on that. No, that's right. I actually wrote a little bit about that this morning and how the Eagles run defense was was really one of the strongest uh, in the league in some of these advanced metrics. So um, I kind of expressed a little bit of skepticism that Brees Hall would have, a, you know, another 177 yard rushing day or anything close to that. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's really a good thing for anyone who owns him in fantasy to see the Jets using him in the receiving game, even when he's not getting it done as well on the ground. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not that concerned about his rushing production or anything going forward. I think Philadelphia was a tough a tough rushing matchup for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was, I'm just doing some box score scouting and seeing how many yards they've given up to running backs in the receiving game, and it's actually not that many. Like they they clamped down on the B Rob Antonio Gibson. Combo. Mm-hmm. They they've clamped. They, you know they've clamped down on a lot of other running backs that aren't named Brees Hall. Uh, you know, so I don't know. I'm actually kind of excited here uh, for 
Brees Hall versus uh, versus the Giants. That's next week. Um, which you know, I mean, well, that's after the bye, so it's on ten twenty nine. Bit of a shame, but that's like a pretty good get right get right matchup. I mean, not even get right matchup. That's mm-hmm. just like that's like a potential. You know, I mean, it's it's tough to not be dreaming of a thirty burger from Brees on that on that week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, speaking of speaking of thirty burgers. Um, this next guy did not have one, but it felt like one. Uh, Bryce Young, he completed 23 of 38 attempts for 217 yards and a touchdown, and the Panthers is 42-21. Week 6 lost the Dolphins, his 5.6 yards per attempt. You know, that was in line with the season-long numbers as the Panthers just can't, go, can't get going with anything down the field. Uh, he, I mean, close to hitting DJ Chark and, and Mingo in a couple of downfield sh- shots. But, you know, realistically, he spent a lot of his time just sort of checking down to Adam Thielen and the running backs. Dude, I really wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things. One, namely, yeah, like, is Adam Thielen, like, what are we doing here? What, like, what is happening? Why why is this happening to good people like us who didn't draft him? And then, two, what are your thoughts here on, on Bryce Young at all as, like, uh, you know, rest of the season? Because I... I'll be honest, man. I've been like streaming quarterbacks, and I've been getting on, on average like eight eight point one points from them all all week. So I really need to figure it out. Like, is this guy worth it? Oh man. Well, <laughs> I I don't really have an answer for Thielen because he was one of my biggest fades of this year, um, and I just he just keeps he just keeps putting up numbers, and I keep thinking it's going to stop, and then the next week he just keep, he just keeps doing it. So. He's, he's definitely hurting the portfolio right now. I don't really have an answer for that. The only thing I have to do is just hope and pray that he he f- falls apart in the fantasy playoffs like uh, players his age normally do. Uh, but we'll see how that one goes. Um, as for Bryce Young, you know, he's uh, – I'm not very excited about him. He's not looking like a top, you know, first overall pick right now. Um, obviously, he doesn't have a great team around him to help him with that, so it's hard to judge him for, for that really, but he's just, uh, he's not really putting it together. I think the the more fantasy relevant piece, at least in my portfolio that I was more interested in watching from this game was Chuba Hubbard. Um, yeah. You know, I have a, a lot of exposure to him in my zero RB, te- RB teams, especially in best ball. Uh, he was a pretty good spot start today, even in, in managed leagues, because he was clearly the starter. See, he had 28 snaps on 36 offensive snaps. He had 17 of 21 routes. So he was definitely played as the feature back. He played pretty well. Um, and honestly, Miles Sanders has looked pretty terrible. So I wouldn't be shocked if Chuba starts to force us into even more of a committee, kind of like a Najee Jalen Warren uh, in a way. Um, but ultimately, uh, we would just need this offense to kind of pick it up if we're going to want to roster a running back here. Uh, but it's good to see at least that they gave him the content, condensed snaps as the featured back. Uh, Blair, I'm not sure if you had any other thoughts on Chuba or or Bryce Young as a prospect. Yeah, I, I love Chuba. I think that's a really good call on him probably um, carving out more of a role even when Sanders is healthy. Uh, I, I still am not entirely sure how to evaluate Bryce Young. I mean, I am kind of an Adam Thielen skeptic, so even when he plays well and I'm you know, looking at this box score, I'm still saying, yeah, but he's not really that good. So, so part of me wants to give an excuse to Bryce Young because he doesn't have the weapons. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, he's definitely looked uh, the worst of the of the three rookie quarterbacks so far, and I don't know that anything he did today. Well, obviously, he didn't do much today to uh, to change that. Um, I mean, Carolina have said they're in the market for a wide receiver one, right? And mm-hmm. and and Ben Gretchen made this point before, and so is Bakarin, which is that Thielen is getting all of this garbage. Time. Well, he plays the under un, underneath routes, like he gets all this like cheapo roll up production. But that role is not what Carolina wants. They've already been explicit in stating that they want to replace him. They want to replace that. It's just a question of will they and can they. And um, and and the other side of the coin, yes, yeah, the flip side of the coin is you know Panthers don't have a Justin Jefferson who's going to be who demands the ball so much more than an Adam Thielen does, right? And we're just going to have to live with this either until I believe Jerry Judy is their is their recent trade target. Uh, I mean the the not to get off on a tangent here, but the Broncos have done nothing to prop up Judy's trade value. So like at this point, they're going to be getting low ball offers, obviously. Um, but you know, I just, I just wanted to get, get like, again, like you said, like, like Chuba was like the, is like the big one. I really think you looked more exposed to the Miles Sanders has all season. And Dubner, you watch, you've been watching Sanders on the Eagles for quite some time. And like, we know why the Eagles moved on from him. So I wanted to get your take here is, is just, what are we like, do you see this as like a 50-50 timeshare? And if so, I mean, like that's just a massive win for us, right? Like as, as those who went overweight, Chuba. Yeah, I'm not really a Miles Sanders fan. Um, I was not saying I was happy that he walked in the, from the Eagles, but I just did not want the Eagles um, to sign him to any type of long-term contract because I just think he's ultimately a replacement-level player. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think, you know, Chuba's fine. He's, he's not anything special. But I think the fact that he was he's been playing pretty well and honestly probably just as good as Sanders, it should probably be a closer time, you know, time share. I was thinking, you know, I still think Sanders is ultimately he is getting paid more. He is still better than Chuba. Um he'll still be the one A, but I think it's gonna be more of a one A, one B situation than a true one uh one versus two situation where it might be say a split or so. Um uh so I, I think it's you know, Chuba, I don't think he's going to be startable when Sanders is healthy. It's we're going to be spot starts when Sanders is out. But I think the bigger thing is that Chuba is really going to eat into the value of Sanders, where I really just have no interest in Miles Sanders at heart value um, in in 2023. I don't know if this is true anymore because Joe Mixon played today. But as of <laughs> week five, Miles Sanders was the least efficient running back in the NFL in terms of FPOE. Oh man, I can bet who else is on that list between Alexander Madison, um, probably uh, Derek Rashad Henry. White, yeah, Rashad White, Rashad, Rashad White. List right now, these guys are just like the, the money, these guys have been like this, like the money printer and props, man. Mix it like so. They, like, I mean. Uh, the guy who I regret not fading, like I, I Mixon was the guy I regret not fading today, because like his, like the Gillespie and everything else had his like as a bad matchup, and it was like twenty yards off his like line, and then he go, he, I think the Gillespie like nailed his final line projection, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and we should have faded his efficiency. Just I've been fading him the last few weeks and just getting burned, but that was tough, tough scene. Um, Speaking of getting burned and not anymore, uh, a guy who you used to like betting unders on, uh, Drake London caught nine of 12 targets 
for 125 yards in the Falcons' week six loss to the Commanders. I mean, this is the guy who we thought we were getting where we were drafting him. Right, 12 targets is a career high. His nine receptions and 125 yards are both new highs for the former first-round pick. Also, also friggin' Kyle Pitts got a touchdown. So, Dubner, like, is this a whole new era? Like, here with Arthur Smith, like, what is going on here with, with Drake London? And do we at least expect his line to move from three-and-a-half catches to four-and-a-half catches, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Just to be clear, yes, I was betting Drake London unders every single week for the first, I don't know, probably four weeks. So, uh, but that's not because I don't love London. I love London and Pitts' talents. I just think that this offense yeah. under Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith, it's really hard to trust any of the pass catchers. And I mean, today's day where you see London go for nine for 125, and it shows you he is the talent we think he is. Um, Pitts finally finds the end zone. He goes four for 43 and one, which is about as good of a tight end day as we can get um, with the tight end game. Um, and they're really good players. It's just I don't trust that passing offense. So I think based off their talent, they're going to pop up for a, a big or here and there. Um, but I don't think they're reliable fantasy assets by any means. Um, and I don't think that changes just based off this week. Um, it's been able to get him them the ball the past two weeks or so. But, you know, I, I don't trust them still uh, moving forward as long as they're going to get Drew Smith and Matt Collins and – uh, Van Jefferson more involved than these guys, then, you know, I, I don't trust it. They've just burnt me too, too many times at the point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you've seen London come out with these, um, getting more work lately. Like I think last week he had what nine targets. Um, so there's some kind of hope that this might be a trend that we're seeing where they're actually getting their stars involved um, particularly in games where they have to throw the ball anyway, where they're losing. So, um, you know, on the one hand, you definitely like that there's more volume going to London and Pitts. On the other hand, it seems like in every case where that happens, they're not putting up points. So it's uh, it's still a little hard to trust these guys in fantasy, even if you could project them for more volume going forward, which I'm not sure you can. This might still be kind of a, an aberration. And we've got, yeah, like you said, Janu Smith and and uh, these other guys pulling targets. No, no. Hold the fort. Michael Pruitt is also out there drawing targets. <laughs> and so is Kadera Lodge, all right? Uh, just, just, I mean, it's nice to see Arthur Smith starting to get spanked, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, there's, there's actually, this is the guy who we're going to bring up next, right? Like questionable for on, on the commander side of the ball, like really the only, the only guy we want to talk about is probably, it's probably Jahan Dotson who just failed to like haul in his lone target. Were people <laughs> too seduced by the preseason on Dotson? Like, like this guy is murdering us and he was only a fifth round pick. But he's returning donuts, and it looks like he's now running behind Curtis Samuel, who had a, res- a respectable, got all four of his targets for 42 yards and a score, right? Like, what Like, what are we doing with Dotson, and why does it make me want to drink bleach? <laughs> <laughs> I must say, as someone who drafted a lot of Dotson this year, at the very least, we can thank the man so bad it's not even a question you just leave him on your bench you have no like there's no even decision where you would possibly start this point so at least we could thank him that he's making our decision our lives a lot easier 
But I'm not sure if Blair has a, an opinion on, on what's going on with Dotson because I think he's talented. I'm not sure if it's a scheme thing, um, it's a, if it's a Sam Howell thing. I mean, Sam Howell's putting up fantasy points, but he's taking the most sacks in NFL history. So I'm not sure if it's related to that. Um, I think uh, Pat Corrine has been doing a lot on first three targets, and it sounds like, uh, if I remember correctly, you know, I'm not looking at it right now, but uh, if I remember correctly, the offense doesn't have a lot of first three targets being completed. Um, show that the offense isn't running on schedule. So I, I think it's more of an offensive design thing than a Dotson mm-hmm. talent thing. Um, but even then, uh, Dotson's, you know, stats have been so poor. You also have to question his talent at a certain point uh, because even if he was very good in an unstructured offense, he should at least still be getting targets. But I'm not sure if Blair has another, another uh, opinion here. Yeah, I don't really have a good explanation for why Dotson is playing so poorly. I do think that, you know, there's more than just the preseason that was getting us excited about Dotson. He's, you know, was, I think, the most, one of the most efficient rookies in the NFL last year. So there's uh, there's a lot of signal from his rookie season that tells us he should be playing much better. Um, you know, what you say about the offensive scheme, I think, makes some sense. You would hope with Howell taking as many sacks as he is that he'd be looking to get the ball out quicker and target these guys that have shorter a dots like Dotson and Samuel instead of McLaurin. Um, and I guess, you know, it's Samuel instead of Dotson maybe, although even, you know, McLaurin had 11 targets today and Samuel only had the four. So uh, there could be something about, about the way the offense is running that makes it not only hard for them to protect Sam Howell and keep him upright, but also hard to get the ball in Dotson's hands. And um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say for sure, especially when I'm not a film guy. One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live event. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account in Use the code RODOVIS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RODOVIS for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know, man. It just, it's just, it's, yeah, it's tough when you're like sort of box score scouting, but like the offense has been kind of, I mean, Howell also only attempted 23 passes, right? Like on the other mm-hmm. side of the ball, Ritter attempted 47. And that's, and that's despite Algier and Bijan combining for 26 carries. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, wa- like Washington's played some wonky games and that, like, they just didn't have a big time of possession. So maybe that's something that has something to do with it. Um, I mean, Another another dust ball, a little like a guy who's really disappointed the last two weeks. Brian Robinson, 10 carries, 31 yards, right? Um, Chris Rodriguez got some run today, which is crazy to me, just because that's a name that you didn't think would be active, right? But, like, I wanted to get your take a little bit there, Dubner. Like, this guy was, yeah, that's right. Shitford also said they were the corpse of Carter running, running, running routes, right? Like, I wanted to get your take on... On dead zone backs, right? Like we've seen, we saw some underperformance here. Brian Robinson, two weeks in a row where he should have done well against, you know, last week he should have like crushed the Broncos and he did, they didn't because that game went a little off script. And then, and then this week they had the script against Atlanta and he still does nothing. So I really wanted to get like, and this is coming, you know, after everybody was victory lapping him in week two and week three. So I really want to get your, your thoughts here on like dead zone backs in general and the macro and like what, like, like, like next, like, like next season, like, are we just going to let people like chase these waterfalls every year? Like, you know, um, you know, I kind of disagree. I don't remember Brian Robinson being a dead zone back. I remember him going and pick like 100 to 115 even at points, which I consider that to be fully zero RB mm-hmm. target range at that yeah, point. RB right. You know, dead zone, I'm more thinking in like a 35 to like, 80 range where like Damian Pierce, Alexander Madison, Miles mm. Sanders were going this year. Now I consider Robinson to actually be a zero RB hit right now. Um, mm. You know, he, he's condensed the backfield at this point where you're feeling pretty confident starting him every week. He has PPR points of 13.6, which are all startable, especially in that range where you're drafting him. He's, um, you know, his expected points per game is before this week, not including this week. He was 23rd, which, I mean, that's like probably RB2 range, but he's been performing over expectation at uh, 14th in fantasy points over expectation. Um, you know, he's, he's not the best running back in the world, but I think he's at, at the very least giving you what the offense will give you. 
Um, and so as long as the, the Washington offense is serviceable, you know, I'm very happy starting Robinson as like an RB2 in all of my um, where I, you know, some type of modified zero RB or zero RB. Yeah, I wasn't too, I mean, too upset with his performance in this one. I don't think at least, you know, he did get the touchdown. Like you said, Hassan, Sam Howell only threw 23 passes, but it's interesting that Robinson out-targeted Antonio Gibson. Um, I think he's the real the real kind of odd man out here. And with Chris Rodriguez coming in, looking pretty good on only four carries, you know, he had one, one go for 13 yards. Um, I don't know. I think, like, Antonio Gibson is almost droppable, maybe. Yeah, and I, I think that this is important – point to remember is how um, price sensitive we have to be with running backs in this range in the draft. Because I mean, if Robinson was going where Alexander Madison was going, we would not be very happy with him right now. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he was going around pick 105, um, I'm very happy to have him on my teams right now. And so uh, it does just show you that we have to be very price sensitive. Especially when, like Sean always talks about, we want to draft uh, you know, last year's Tony Pollard. We don't want to draft this year's Tony Pollard, even though that's like an archetype we like to draft at pick 100. It doesn't mean that we like to draft them at pick 50 or or earlier. So I think it's just important to keep that in perspective of where we're actually being drafted. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, speaking of speaking of outkicking a draft cost, uh, but really dudding today, Brock Brady, he completed 12 of 27 attempts for 125 yards, one TD, and an interception. In the in the Niners is week six loss to the Browns. Uh, he had to play most of the game without CMC and Debo Samuel, and he just I mean he frankly failed to get anything going through the air. Right, he was under constant pressure from Miles Garrett, but you know despite having Kittle and despite having Ayuk, like just absolute pathetic showing. So so Dubin, I wanted to get your thoughts on the propaganda machine and their push to try and make Brock Purdy an MVP candidate and like what your outlook is going forward. And how do you expect this offense to function if either CMC or Debo miss a lot of time? You know, I think games like today are when you realize, you know, you when you get these talks that Purdy should be an MVP quarterback, these are games when you kind of puts the public back to reality where Purdy, you know, he's, he's a very serviceable quarterback, but he's clearly being propped up by scheme. And, you know, everyone has their bad days, but I think Purdy is kind of more of just an average quarterback that has the best talent around him. And so these games can happen when, you know, when you're just average. Uh, They played a Cleveland defense that's very good, uh, suffered a couple of injuries, and I think these games happen. You know, I still think that the 49ers are going to be one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, Um, and every team has their, their dud weeks. I mean, look at the Eagles today. They had a pretty dud week today as well. Um, and it just hit the 49ers pretty hard today. I don't really have much more of an explanation than that. Like, I still think, you know, I have no idea how, how serious CMC's injury is. He's obviously the fantasy overall RB1, probably, pot, you know, arguably the, the best player in all of fantasy uh, if he's healthy. You're going to start Ayuk every week. Kittle's a tight end. You're going to start him every week and take his uh, blowups and his duds as they come. And, you know, Debu, I'm not sure what his injury is like either, um, but you're probably starting him when he's playing. So it doesn't really change anything for me. I just think that sometimes good offenses have uh, bad games. That's really about it. Yeah, it looks like, it's like CMC had a, 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 an oblique injury and 
Um, Debo had a shoulder and his x-rays came back negative. So I'm not sure how long they're going to be on the sidelines, but I wonder how effective they're going to be. Cause like, like you, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like this, this offense, I mean, it's, it's a talent that elevates birdie, not vice versa. Right. Um, boy, we've seen this offense play really well, even without, without Debo on the field before they had McCaffrey, they were still a good offense. I think you can expect the 49ers to play well, you know, for this offense to still be able to put up points, even missing some key weapons just because of the nature of kind of how their offense works. And that hides a lot of Purdy's flaws, I think. But, I mean, in one way, he's kind of a good a good fit for that system, right? I think the one thing that this kind of shows is actually how good a defense Cleveland has, which... Um, we kind of we kind of knew going into the game, but maybe didn't take it as seriously as we should have. Yeah, you know, I, I have no idea Christian McCaffrey is going to miss time. I kind of my gut says that he won't. But Blair, I'm not sure if you have an opinion between Elijah Mitchell or Jordan Mason. If either of them, <laughs> you know, would be next week. Obviously, I think Mitchell has had bigger games in the past. But, you know, it seems like the 49ers kind of like Mason and they kind of have been out on Mitchell, it seems like. I'm not sure it's just injury for Mitchell recently, uh, but it would definitely be a tough decision going into next week with the current information we have if CM's worth his time. I'm not sure if you have a lean either way. Yeah, good question. I don't have a strong, a strong take on that. I mean, Mitchell obviously had a lot of explosive games in his, on his resume but has not looked good lately. I'm guessing a lot of that has to do with with injury. Um, but, I mean, Jordan Mason looked pretty good today. So, you know, you kind of expect them to keep beating the hot hand, as it were, if McCaffrey's out. So, um, you know, short term, probably prefer Jordan Mason, but I do still like Mitchell. Um, speaking of hot hands and injuries, Without Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison got three of five targets for 28 yards and a score. Uh, you know, he was Addison we expected to take on a larger role in the Vikings' offense. Uh, today, Kirk Cousins and company were absolutely pathetic. It also didn't help that Gazier Osborne out, out-targeted and outperformed him, I guess. You know, he also dropped, I mean, Addison did drop a long throw from Cousins and he had, ended with only five targets on the day. Dubin, I really want to get your thoughts here on Addison. Like, one, why won't the Vikings just sort of accept that they drafted him in the first round instead of this pretending to take it slow with him? And two, what is up with the Vikings continuing to run Alexander Madison? <laughs> yeah, Alexander Madison is the epitome of the dead zone. And the fact that he and Kickers share a backfield is pretty pretty perfect for the, the dead zone hypothesis there. Um, so not much else to say about, about that, but they're both so inefficient. So terrible. I think the Vikings kind of realize it. At the same time, this offense has just completely changed without Justin Jefferson. I mean, he is the type of player where you can't at all not only replace his production, but you have to kind of change probably your entire scheme because of the way he affects an offense. Um, you know, I, I think that this was a down game for Addison, but I think that we should also expect the Vikings offense to not be as explosive as they before. Um, and kind of it's the, you know, where a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, same can be said the other way on where 
Um, you know, Addison might have a larger share of the offense now, but if the entire offensive production pie is smaller, it still kind of might cancel each other out. Um, Addison did play a full, um, nearly 100% of the snaps. He was 32 of 33, same thing as AJ Osborne. So they're clearly both full-time players, and uh, the Vikings are going to treat him that way. Um, this was just a pretty slow and disgusting game, a 19 to 13 game with the Bears. Um, so maybe in a more high-tempo game environment, I definitely have high expectations for Addison. He's exciting moving forward. Um, and this was just a down a down game here, this slow-paced environment. Um, and kind of it that can be said about a lot of the games this weekend. It, there just was not a lot of scoring in the NFL this, this weekend, and sometimes that happens. Uh, but I definitely think there are better games ahead for Addison. But it just shows you he's not a top – you know, not currently a top 12 NFL talent. Um, and so he'll have his up and down games and he can't dictate an offense the way Justin Jefferson does. God, man. Yeah. Remember yeah. Justin Jefferson was kind of dictating those games as a rookie though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's really is, I mean, kind of amazing just what an impact he can have. Cause I mean, the Vikings came in being one of the past happiest teams in the league and attempted only 31 attempt passes today and i don't think that's like because they were trying to run the ball i think it's just because they couldn't keep drives going right without jefferson um so they didn't you know didn't get enough play volume overall so it really is uh worrisome i think for for this offense especially considering how bad the bears defense is um worrying that um this you know this team just might not be good and uh if you are hoping to start addison and hawkinson and guys like that um you know i don't know good luck i'm hoping to start some of them on some teams but i don't know if that's if that's going to work out it is i'm just looking at the box score it's, it's interesting that madison had 18 carries for 44 yards for 2.4 yards per carry so they're just they're still, you know, still feeding him the rock despite how bad he's been. He's been as bad as the names that we listed before in terms of fantasy mm-hmm. points under expectation. Cam Akers only one carry for eight yards, so he's still not really getting playing time. I'm not sure if that's a function of them just trying to get him up to speed in the offense, but I'm really sure why you trade for Cam Akers and don't give him a shot. I mean, he's not going to be much better. I still think he's just as bad as Madison. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't really understand why you trade for him and then not give him a shot if Madison's been this bad. Yeah. <sighs> or not give a shot to some of the guys who you have or had on the team that <laughs> looked like they were pretty talented. Uh, I don't know. Or literally cool. anyone else but Madison. <laughs> <laughs> right. right? <laughs> There's got to be somebody still hoping for a job. Just don't bring yeah. that money. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at this point, at this point, the team who might want to consider kicking the tires on Fat Lenny are the Bears, right? Dante Foreman rushed 15 times for 65 yards in their loss, and he added one reception for an additional two yards, despite multiple running backs being out. You know, Foreman led the team in carries. And I don't think he's done enough to prove that he's going to be the runaway guy here, right? Um, I mean, the, the whole reason he put up this kind of production was because Justin Fields left the game and they just force fed him. So I wanted to get your take here, Dubner. Like, like we were we were talking about fading Foreman 
And then a freak Justin Fields injury helped him get over both of his rushing his rushing carries and his yardage props, right? That was like good process, bad result for us. Um, yeah. By the way, Damian Harris just took a horrific hit on in the game. He's not moving, and he's getting stretched off. And thoughts and prayers are with him because this is awful, just awful right now. The players are the players are on their knees, just hoping he's not moving at all right now. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, I just you know back to the back to the Bears game. Uh, uh, just with just with Foreman, like this is rush like. This is going to be a 50-50 split when Rashawn Johnson's back, in your opinion, right? Like, or do you expect, I guess, how long do you expect this to be? Like, or do we just, or do you think Foreman's going to be back to being out of the scratch? Uh, first of all, I hope uh, Damian Harris ends up being okay. That's always horrible to see. Uh, going back to the Bears, though, uh, with I expect Roshan will play next week. Usually these concussions that are out for one week, they'll play the, the following week. Um, especially if it's a first concussion. Um, he was definitely someone I was exciting, excited about Preston. I expect him to immediately probably get 50 to 60% of the work in his first game. And I think the Bears definitely give him a shot at increasing that work, depending on how he plays, where he could potentially just become the feature back if he's very good. However, with that being said, I'm not excited about anyone on this offense. Um Ben Gretsch kind of talks about the haves and the haves nots in the NFL and the bears are clearly right now, one of the have nots, especially with Justin Fields being hurt, especially the way Fields was playing when he was you know, playing poorly besides the previous two weeks. Um, so the bears right now, aren't really a team want to start anyone on that offense right now. Um, you know, I would be, really looking for another player to start in front of Roshan, even if I was desperate. I'm not very excited about DJ Moore right now, but you know, it depends on if you have better options than that. Um, but the Bears are just kind of a team I stay away from if at all possible. And you know, if Roshan helps with my best ball teams, that would be great. But I'm gonna be cautious with the match league at least to start until he kind of proves it to me and the offense proves to me that they can support a, a fantasy production in the backfield. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, even it would be one thing if Foreman came in and looked pretty good, which you know, he was fine. 65 yards. Um, Darrington Evans also had nine carries for 32 yards, but didn't do a whole lot. Uh, it would be a different story if this team targeted running backs in the passing game. Um, Foreman only had one target. Evans had one target. So it's not, you know, even when it's not Fields throwing the ball, when it's the backup, whose name I won't even try to pronounce, Tyson Bagant, I don't know. Um, even when, you know, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, they're not throwing to the running backs. So that's one way that you can you can kind of get some value out of these running backs on bad teams if they're catching passes, but not the case here. So I think I'm with you. Just avoid this offense, at least until Fields is back. Do we want to talk uh, about someone who we discussed, touched on lightly at the start, but T. Uh, Higgins got two of his four targets for 20 yards and the Bengals' win over the Seahawks. He was uh, splitting reps with Trenton Irwin in his return from this rib injury. Um, and it looks like the, the Bengals are really easing him back into action. Um, you know, Dubner, do you expect that following this week seven bye, he'll be back to his full complimentary routes? And even if he is back to that, like, 
How are you explaining away his massive underperformance year to date? You know, I don't think I can talk rationally about Higgins because he's been one of my highest exposures in best ball the past two years. And he's just proven to me that he's so straight to own. Like right when I am finally about to get out on him, he'll kind of suck me right back in, whatever that meme is. Um, and so I think that he is like the perfect archetype of the player I like to target. And he just keeps disappointing me. And I don't have an explanation for it. You know, he's attached to uh, a pass happy offense. Uh, I think it probably has partly at least to do with, you know, just the overall inefficiency with the way the entire Bengals team has started, you know, Burroughs calf injury. And I don't know if the, the Bengals like started slow in previous years. I have no idea what that could be related to. So maybe it's related to that, but Higgins has been very frustrating and obviously hasn't returned value. Um, but at the same time, like I said, he can suck me back in. This offense can get very explosive very quickly. So I wouldn't be shocked if I'm kind of uh, happy to start him in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I have him in a couple spots. So I did start him today um, just because he is the exactly the type of player I, I like to target in fantasy football. Um, so I'm not sure if you or, or Blair have better explanations for me, but I'm probably gonna gonna stick with him, and hopefully, um, I have a maybe I'll have a try to find a replacement for next week, depending on his snap projections. It looks like he only played uh, 13 snaps today. He ran 12 routes though on 22 dropbacks, so he was definitely being eased back in. Um, uh, but yeah, it's hard to say what's going on with him. Yeah, I think the injury to Burrow can explain some of this i think i mean obviously this offense is not not playing the way we expect and that's having an impact downstream for sure um but i i'm i kind of agree i'm not too worried maybe long term about higgins i'm not looking to um to sell him or anything uh you know i expect this the Bengals will eventually figure things out and higgins will will start producing and maybe that's just because I'm kind of a little bit irrational about, about Higgins as well, but uh, he's shown us in the past. He's a talented player. So uh, yeah, I want to, <laughs> I want to root for him. I would but rather bet on T Higgins over Adam Thielen every day of the week. And you know, <laughs> I, I might be eating his words the past six weeks, but I will never take the other side of that bet. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, a good Sunday tradition is 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 me tilting my face off and going into the ship chasing Discord and typing more like low T Higgins, and then he instantly gets like a massive bomb or something. So I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking forward to that to that being our, our near future here. Um, actually, that's a, that, that's a good point, dude. I wanted to get get your thoughts on on. Some of the elevated ADPs were wide receiver twos, right? Like Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, right? All these guys were going in the second round. And, you know, considering taking them ahead of a wide, like a projected wide receiver one, like Adam Thielen, right? I wanted to get your take on, you know, or at least a thought on, you know, people are starting to stress a little bit because we're seeing some down games from guys like T. Higgins and Devonta Smith, right? Whereas, you know, and Adam Thielen is giving you everything you want, right? So I want to get your take here on this volume-based projection style of drafting, right? Like, is this something you're hoping people keep doing? Is this something that you might actually be reflecting your changing in best ball strategy for? Like, I want to get your your thoughts on on what you're doing with with the with the 
you know, an ADB market like that? You know, I think I, like many at Rotoviz, many of the ship chasers as well, I think that we were all part of the the collective group that chases these these archetypes like T. Higgins, like Jalen Waddle, these second round players over these volume-based projections like Adam Thielen. And I think that's the correct to do it. And I'm going to keep doing that. And if just because of a little bit of variance, if people are feeling hurt about that and they try to go the other way next year where they bump up Thielen archetypes and drop down the Waddle archetypes, you know, I'm just going to keep chasing the exciting player profiles that could break out and break fantasy football. And if I'm wrong on a few instances, that's fine. But I just, that's the way I play fantasy football. I think that's correct. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the one that next year again. And I would have done the same thing this year again, if I had the chance to as well. Yeah. That's speaking of a profile that could break fantasy football and kind of the other side of this game and a guy we're kind of talking about in the chat. What do you make of this performance by JSN? where you know he hasn't looked good all season even this wasn't wasn't great but he did get uh 48 yards probably a career high is this are we getting some hints that this might be he might be coming on i must say 48 yards is a lot better than the 1.7 yards per reception he had last week um kind of uh, like some of the other guys we were talking about before, JSN, like like Bruce Hall, he was probably my highest owned receiver in best ball this year. So I had a lot of hope for him. Um, I think it's a combination. I still think he's a really good prospect profile. That's kind of why I bought so hard into him. Um, I definitely think the injury had a lot to do with it in the year. He, I mean, he broke his, his wrist and he's a receiver. Of course, it's going to affect you. Um, and I think that people are sometimes just because he started week one, it doesn't mean he was fully healthy. I think mm-hmm. that we have to put that into pers- perspective um, that he had, he was playing her early on the year. And honestly, he probably still is playing hurt. Um, with that being said, the fact that he has been playing and not playing well, definitely still feels bad um, because you're hopeful that he can uh, turn it on. Like we were hoping he could, I still think there's a chance he could pretty well down the stretch because that's kind of when rookies break out most of the time you know we've been spoiled in the past where some rookies just get hot right out of the gate um and that's not the case with everyone even with some of the best prospect profiles um but you know right now honestly i'm i'm pretty down on jsn i think um i can't really imagine him being a weekly confident must start with lockett and metcalf healthy I think if one of them were to get hurt and he really kind of has a chance to to shine, that, that could change things. But as long as he's the third receiver in this offense that also likes to feature Kenneth Walker, it's pretty hard to see him having a true um, a, a season where he can even return his ADP value. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty down on JSN right now. Of course, he's a rookie. He could always break out the second half of the stretch, but I don't really see that happening with him being the third target in this offense. Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely tricky in these kind of crowded offenses. I think what you're, what you're hoping for, if you're like me, still holding out some optimism for JSN, is that he's going to have one game where he, I don't know, he catches a long touchdown or, or something like that, and kind of, you know, makes it impossible for the team to still target someone like Lockett over him. That's that's the path to him 
kind of jumping jumping these other two guys in the second half of the season. And like you said, he's, you know, with the injury, he's starting from behind. He hasn't been great to start the season. So, uh, yeah, it is kind of hard to expect something like that to happen anytime soon. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's obviously a different, completely different team situation. But you see these guys like Amon Ross St. Brown just come on in the last five games of the season or something and immediately become wide receiver one. Not saying that is what we should expect here, but, um, you know. DK was similar to the season. The uh, snap counts I've been referring to have been uh, posted by someone at PFF. They've all been halftime snap counts, by the way, not full game. But JSN did play 25 of 32 halftime snaps. He ran 16 of 19 routes. So he's getting playing time, which kind of makes me more nervous because he's not drawing targets despite getting playing time. Um, so it, it's almost worse than if we're just not getting the snaps in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit tricky. I could definitely, you know, you know, I'm, I'm high on the guy. I'm just trying to temper my expectations um, just because he, he yeah. isn't drawing targets. Yeah. It would be interesting to see, to look back. Cause I know earlier in the season, he was only playing like half the snaps. So it'd be interesting to see when, when he started to get a full-time role and if maybe this is the first week that he's kind of been right there with Lockett and Metcalf in terms of snaps and routes. I'm not positive that's the case, but I do know um, for the first few weeks he was, he was running at like 50% of their, of their routes. So to to put it into perspective though, I think the, the question right now is more, you know, depending on how deep your league is, are you even stashing JSN for, for the <laughs> second half of the season? And, you know, I'm trying to where I can. He's definitely almost a drop candidate right now, which I think just puts into perspective just how bad he's been. Um, you know, I'm going to try to add him where I can. He does if he is on the waiver wire. Uh, but I just I think that puts into perspective of the conversation that we're having about him right now as opposed to where we were in the preseason yeah obviously that depends on how deep your league is cobra kai makes a good point in 10 team leagues you can probably drop him um yeah depending on how depending on how shallow your benches are even in 12 team leagues he's probably not giving you what what you need uh on a weekly basis but definitely someone who i'm i'm stashing everywhere i have space um yeah, I mean, I think some of it is just, man, just such a shallow A dot that prevents him from really, like, when he does get those targets, like, it just prevents him from getting, tar- like, you know, anything going. On the on the flip side, shallow A dot should, you know, suggest that he should be able to roll up the yak, but that's not something that we saw until, like, today. And even then, I'm curious as to what his actual yak production was. Mm. Um, it's interesting. I see a comment in the chat that someone says, I think we steamed all the rookie wide receivers wide receivers wide receivers up uh too much this year and you know i still i agree that receiver rookie receivers were going earlier than ever this year and i i i just like with the second round receivers like waddle i i think that's right i think that's more yeah. efficient rather than uh kind of jumping the shark and i think that you know you don't want to get tricked by small sample size variants um and if rookie was going next year i'd be thrilled because i would get even more exposure but I think that also we're still very early in the year. We're only six weeks in. I haven't even hit most of the bye weeks. 
I think a lot of things change once when you get to week eight, week 10 with these rookies, with these zero running back candidates, and you can quickly forget these slow starts. Um, so I would just keep an open mind to that is all I'm going to say. No, I like that take. I think all the, I mean, the rookies for the most part had the profiles that we want to see the guys we were, we were steaming up. They had, a lot of the kind of hallmarks of recent rookies who have broken out in their rookie seasons or um, who have looked good early on. So I don't necessarily think uh, it was wrong where we were taking taking the rookie but, wide receivers. But but some also landed in like – JSN landed in a muddied situation. That's right? true. But if you, if, if you go back to it, right, like guys that you want to see in, and I guess – QJ landed in a muddy situation, right? But the guys you want to see landing in peak situations, Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers kind of instantly paid off like starting week one, right? Um, today was a disappointment on, on the Jordan Addison hype train, but I remember like when the season started, the first thing I think we all discussed was, all right, why are we not betting all the rookie receivers overs? And I think we went out and did just that in weeks one and two, Dubner, if you remember. And then like they just all hit, right? Like the longest reception receiving yards receptions right um i'm 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 still whole, i'm just keeping a candle open for qj right because like we typically don't do this but on the monday night game josh bomber josh bomber popped up on the injury report with a groin injury um i think part of this is because i got just insane closing line value i bet his under 53 and a half receiving yards it was bet down to like 47 and a half and i was off the board because he might not play so my full expectation is he doesn't play tomorrow and i just get that bet voided um and uh uh i'm optimistic that the chargers have figured out what to do with qj in this time right um but you know that's it's it's you know it's to be seen because there's a couple of other dust ball running backs i wanted to get to uh namely a guy who we love to fade here is rashad white he rushed seven times for 26 yards and he caught three or four targets for 12 yards in the boxes of week six lost the lions he didn't get anything going on the ground, and it looks like he suddenly fell into a 50-50 timeshare with Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, uh, you know, so I wanted to get your thought. I mean, obviously, Vaughn was also not able to get much going either way because the Bucks' O-line lost the battle. So I wanted to get your thought, Dubner. Like, you know, like chasing Rashad White because he was the only guy who had all of all the value, right? Like, what are we like? Do you expect him to at least what kind of like value do you expect him to even return rest of the season? And you know. Again, this is sort of because it brings up your conversation about like the dead zone. Like, why were people chasing him? In your opinion, was I just quick question? Was Rashad White hurt? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Nothing, nothing that I saw. Okay, just to just to confirm, because I mean, I was very on White this year. Uh, I wrote an article. I wrote a business off off season, something like my hard fades this year, where I had zero percent player. And Rashad White was one of those guys. Um, no, I was very on White last year. He was one of my highest owned running backs. What he's going to be in the with Leonard Fournette on a Tom Brady offense. And when I thought the offense was going to be efficient, the thesis actually kind of hit where White did get a decent amount of playing time. He got some receiving work, but he was just so inefficient last year that I was completely out on him this year, especially when I thought his ADP was being propped up by a volume projection. Um, he was still going kind of late, so I kind of understood it, but he was just going in a range where I wasn't even really targeting running backs. I was tar- targeting the 
the last receivers before the the cliff drop everyone knew about this year. Um, so that it was more of a structural reason necessarily than a, 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 a ranking within the running back tier. Um, I know Blair was kind of on white this year in a way, just because he showed an ability to get volume as a rookie, which is one of the best signals for running back, you know, in running backs early career volume is more important than efficiency. Uh, but I was out on him because I thought he was still getting projected up based off his volume um, because of the situational change. So I was out on white this year and he's, he's been nothing but disappointing so far. <laughs> he's getting the volume. He's kind of looking like an Alexander, Alexander Madison where he gets the volume, but he's so inefficient on um, honestly an offense that's kind of overperformed and he's still not playing well. Uh, so I, I have no interest in white. I'm pretty happy about the fade this year. Um, his volume was definitely, he's getting the volume, so it could have definitely bit me. He's not very good, I don't think. Yeah, one thing that's interesting about White and the volume argument, you know, I was in on him early in the offseason when it seemed like they were going to be throwing him the ball more. I mean, last season he had, I want to say, something like 60 targets. And today, this season, I think he only has 13 going into this week. Um, it's the kind of thing where if you're if you're expecting that receiving volume, I could get in on him. Um, as the offseason went on, it became more clear that people were expecting a big rushing workload. That was kind of what was driving up his price in a lot of best ball drafts. And at that point, uh, he becomes a lot less interesting, I think, because he's expensive, getting more expensive, but for arguably the wrong reason. Um, so, yeah, he did have the volume last year. He wasn't super efficient last year, and he's been even worse this year. So, uh, yeah, I think the the fade was the right the right call on White. Um, still waiting to see some Sean Tucker in this offense, though. Is that happening? We hope and pray every week. <laughs> uh, we just dropped him on our FBC team because we <laughs> because we picked up this next guy. Uh, Amari DiMercato rushed two times for 11 yards in the Cardinals in week six loss to the Rams. DiMercato was one of the waiver wire pot pickups heading into week six. Uh, I mean, he was anything but worth it uh, as he was a third running back during the game after Keonta Ingram. And Damian Williams, who was elevated from the practice squad. Oh, do I feel like a donkey. <laughs> you know, I, oh. I actually, this is the one player I think I wrote notes on for the podcast without knowing that you guys had picked him up. But my notes currently read as anyone who spent fab budget on this guy really feel bad about themselves. I mean, <laughs> what a disaster was he. It's true. At one point, I saw he had just one touch on 10 Cardinals running back touches start the game. I mean, what a disaster. I, I honestly don't even know anything about the guy still. because He just seemed like he was not a very good product. And then he you put him into the Cardinals offense. And you know what? I still don't have any interest in him. And, man, did he uh, pull the wool over you guys. <laughs> Dude, like, we, got, we got full rug pulled, right? Because I figured, oh, we're trying price and force. And like we just won that bid, we just won that bid. So I was like, all right, whatever. And I and I put him into the starting lineup. And like I messaged Blair, and I'm like, all right, Chuba or 
I think I called him Ernesto. I didn't yeah. even know his name. I actually, <laughs> I actually didn't know who you were talking about when you said <laughs> Ernesto. I'm like, I've I think, I Ernesto. think that should have been a sign. That should have been a sign <laughs> yeah. that you guys shouldn't have spent fab on him. <laughs> yeah, who I, the hell I, is Ernesto? We don't want to uh, play him. We just, we just, yeah, that's right. Ingram, Damian Williams, and Rondale all got back those snaps over him. Uh, I mean, I mean, we were talking about about uh, fading him, right? Like his rush yards, forty point five. You also his rushing line, I think, was like ten point five. We should have just done it, man. We should have just done it at Ben Kings because, like, we could have at least made the money back. You know what I mean? In real, in real dollars, uh, the fob is gone, and I don't, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know if we're gonna waver him away this week or what, but we want him by accident. <laughs> and and like like at least it was a lot better than what I did in one of my dynasty teams where I spent ninety percent of my fob on him, and I was like I started him like such a happy happy donkey because I was like oh all my running backs are hurt like H N on the on the you know is hurt Montgomery is hurt like Javon Jamal Williams hurt I got plugged him in just going on six in that league. I'm bad. <laughs> Down horrendous, dude. Hey, hey. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're like, would have liked to have him, but like, so I guess uh, to to turn it back a little bit more seriously though, Damian Williams, right? Like, since he's like the next guy, like, how much he's like worth two percent fab, right? At least that that can't be a real question, can it? Like, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I don't. don't I don't want anything to do with that backfield. Just like stay as far away as possible. I feel like we should have. You should have learned your lesson with Dan Mercado. Like, don't don't do this again with Damian <laughs> Williams now. Uh, I think. I mean, it depends obviously on how desperate you are, but I think Keontae Ingram looks like the guy you want to own. If there is anyone you want to own here, all right, Keontae Ingram. I'll give you that. He's above the Sean Tucker line right now, but <laughs> Sean Tucker who might not play a snap again, I might rather have him than Dear Mercado. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were, we were, we should actually go back and pick him up, Sean Tucker, because we dropped him. Pick him um, up again. Or at least see if someone dropped Rashad Benny, because I'd rather have that actual unknown upside just in the event mm-hmm. of, at of least, At least Sean Tucker kind of increases the, the bit more on your fantasy roster. Dear Mercado does not do that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, Di Mercado sounds like a really, really like shitty Italian restaurant that you just that you, <laughs> you go to and you get food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want that. Uh, uh, just a terror. Uh, actually, I did have a question for you, Dubner, like about Calamare, right? Like he it's about this time where he tore his ACL. Like, do you expect when do you expect us to actually start seeing you know, thoughts of Calamare, any like news blurb. I, I honestly genuinely, because the like, news coverage has been so poor, I haven't seen anything on Calamare's return, a slated return date. Like in your medical opinion, at what point do you expect to start seeing Mare? Or do you think that the Cardinals are actually just trying to like play Dobbs for most of the season as they're like in some form of stealth tank mode? I've kind of been of the opinion that Kyler isn't going to play this year. Um, I think they're more thinking around. Uh, I I didn't really have much hope that we would see action, especially if they if they were losing games. Which I mean, the roster is terrible. They 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 know they're not going to be competing this year. Um, so I don't really expect to see Kyler this year. Probably more so of almost a, 
management decision more so than that he wouldn't be able to play by the end of the year. Um, so from like a game theory perspective in fantasy football, I'm really going to bank on him coming back. Um, it's hard to say though, like could I see him coming back? Sure. Especially if you're desperate for quarterback with a couple of these quarterback injuries, but um, I, I haven't seen anything about when he'll come back and I'm not very hopeful that he'll play this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess we kind of know what the Cardinals offense is going to be. If Kyler sits Dobbs has flashed some kind of good games, but basically he's not it. Um, any, are there any fantasy pieces of the Cardinals offense that you're interested in rest of season? I hate to go back to the well on him because, um, you know, I was kind of in on him in the off season this year and last year, and he was kind of a, a more going to go there. It's a, an exciting tight end prospect. I think um, I just really want to get them. No, it's not Zach Ertz. He should not be playing. <laughs> I really then to just get Trey McBride involved, see what you have in the guy. I think we could see a couple of, uh, you know, I, I don't really imagine starting him in a in a managed league this year, at least anytime soon. But if he can give us a couple of spike weeks for baseball rosters, that'd be great. And I think that'd make sense so they could just see if he is the tight end of the future. I think he's shown some flashes. He's obviously not in a tight end anymore, or I'm not really hopeful of that at, at all. Like Sam, he's not even close to uh, reaching a Sam Laporta level. If we can get a tight end 12 out of him, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, four catches for 62 yards today is more than usable in like a tight end premium league. So, and then that's... as far as like Marquise Brown, I think that he'll consistently get like a pretty good volume projection, but it's very fragile pr- projection because I think he's going to have um, a lot of inefficient games like he did today. Like he had 11 targets, only 34 yards. There mm-hmm. will certainly be some games where he's more usable, but it's hard to trust that in a managed league. Um, and then as far as Michael Wilson, I can't really ever imagine starting him in a managed league, but could he give us a couple of spike weeks in best ball here and there? Sure. Um, but the, the player I'm most interested in how Trey McBride does over the, the course of this year, especially because he does have the tight end eligibility. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I want to just go to the other side of this game real quick. We had a question earlier in the chat about whether, about trading Kyron Williams and someone else, I can't remember who, for Justin Jefferson at this point. I think that's an interesting trade. Are we thinking of Kyron Williams as like a locked-in RB1 at this point where he has potentially almost as much value as a Justin Jefferson who's going to miss at least four weeks, maybe more? You know, I think... Trading for Justin Jefferson is very interesting, and it's it's hard to kind of give advice on that because it's so team specific. Mm-hmm. If I was six and zero, would I trade for Justin Jefferson? Probably. It would depend on what I'd have to give up. But you know, I expect Jefferson to miss probably another five weeks, and then he's a high risk of reaggravation, and he might be slow to come back. And maybe the team starts to think about shutting him down if they're the Vikings are still you know looking outside of the playoffs. So he's very risky, but obviously with that comes a lot of reward and you can normally Justin Jefferson's untouchable. So this is like the chance you ever even have a conversation about trading for him. So it's an interesting situation on every situation where I'm in, I'm honestly not really trading for Jefferson because I think the value of 
Now, even if you're six, no, I think the value of just trying to secure a, a bye week in your fantasy leagues is more important yeah. um, than possibly trading for a dead asset who could get hurt again. So it just depends on risk tolerance. I think it also kind of depends on the payout of your of your league structure. Like if you're possibly if it's a very top pass, maybe you make the splash for Justin Jefferson. But I think um, as far as Ky- Kyron Williams goes, I'd probably rank him right around maybe like RB12 to RB14-ish, where he's more of a, I don't want to call him a dead zone running back, but he's definitely more of a volume-based running back. But the, the Rams offense has been so good that he's been pretty efficient with him. And I think the Rams have always liked Kyron Williams. Like It seemed like last year, Sean McVay wanted to start him over Cam Maker week one before he got hurt. <laughs> Um, so the, the team definitely likes him, which is why I consider consider him to be like above a, a running back dead zone threshold. Um, yeah. That's just being propped up by volume. So it definitely um, kind of depends on your team makeup if you're willing to trade him. He was so late, I have good running backs already. So maybe you would consider trading him. But I I would rather have Kyron than, than Justin Jefferson rest of season, given the immediate value as well as. You know, through the playoffs, I expect Kyron to be the guy while Jefferson um, Jefferson could easily get hurt again. So I, I would have Kyron and Justin Jefferson, even if I'm 6-0. and Yeah, and I, I just went back and dug up the full trade. It was Kyron and Amari for Jay Jaff. And I really think that Amari is like, he's the only usable like Cleveland Brown, right? Is he usable? I mean, when I, I mean he's, <laughs> been, he's been like a wide receiver, like I think wide receiver 15 or better in most weeks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you consider the value, Cooper probably gives you, it's hard for me to evaluate that because I actually don't own Cooper on any teams, but um, he probably gives you more than enough to say that it's not worth doing. But even Kyron for Jefferson straight up, I think is is kind of a tough sell at this point. I mean, Kyron, um, like he didn't have a target today, but they attempted only 24 passes. But I mean, you know, Part of his prospect profile that was pretty interesting was how good of a pass catcher he was. So my hope would be that they can get him in more involved in the passing game and he can kind of, he can maybe even um, shed that kind of dead zone profile that you're talking about. But uh, yeah, I think where you have him, where you have him ranked makes sense at this point. Iron is exactly the guy where, you know, if I, were to be fortunate enough to pick him up this year, which I have him in a couple of leagues. I'm not really trying to sell him. So I don't want to sell him low. And I think that um, other managers might try to try to kind of uh, take him from you and sell him on his like inefficiency or whatever. He's a guy that I want this year. He's probably, like I said, he's probably around like RB 10 to RB 14, something around there. Uh, not exact. But, uh, he's the type of guy that I exactly would, would want to fade next year. He's a guy that mm-hmm. I want this year when you get him off the waiver wire and then you dump him next year when he's probably the round pick or something. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, anyone else uh, we want to touch on? There was one guy who I forgot. Ah, Jamison Williams caught a touchdown. What, what are we making of, of his performance today? Wasn't a lot of targets, but is it... Almost Jamison Williams season. I mean, Jamison Williams, it's such a cliche, but he's he's like the perfect Deshaun Jackson, like better, even more so, but better in best ball kind of player. Like I couldn't imagine him anytime soon. He only had two targets. If he you know, if he cracked your best ball lineup, great for you. But like I, I don't really 
he's at all reliable for at least another couple of weeks. Because, I mean, even if he does this again next week, it's still only two targets. Like, he has to show mm. a lot more volume than that. Yeah. Do you think he can earn volume in this? I mean, you got St. Brown with 15 targets, Laporta with 11. They're obviously going to be dominating dominating targets. Um, is there a path to more volume for an explosive guy like Williams? I mean, just looking at their box score, they have like 12 guys with targets or so. So sure, I think he could condense some of that. Maybe he can get up to like targets a week. I don't really see him becoming a target hog by any means. I think he's kind of the player that um, is always better in, in real life than in NFC football, where mm-hmm. um, at least right now, um, where he's more of a, a field stretcher um, rather than someone that dominates the box score i think or at least in a, a reliable and consistent way um so i think he got a, a couple more targets but i don't really see him being um like a must add you know like the the, the ad of the week from last week like he's going to win you leagues I, I don't really see that in his ring outcomes um could he put up in like a random spike week here and there like he did today sure but again they weren't playing with gibbs monk he got hurt in the middle of the game, so their running backs were definitely less involved today. And we know the Lions love their running backs. They're going to get – Amon Ra is going to get his. Lopez has shown that he is a target earner. Um, so I think that Williams could maybe earn his way into like the fourth or fifth in the in the touch pecking order here. But I don't really know how much that's going to come with. Maybe like a ceiling of five targets a game. And again, that's a, a ceiling outcome. So I'm not too hopeful rest of season for him. Uh, for like a managed league, but could he pay off wherever he was going in best ball? Sure. And that's actually still to be seen, right? Because you got Josh Reynolds and Rim and Khalif Raymond taking targets. And then we still yet to see Gibbs come back and Gibbs was taking a lot of targets away. So Yeah, that's true. He this was Gibbs wasn't Reynolds. getting Gibbs wasn't getting the targets as much when Montgomery was hurt, but but yeah, when Gibbs comes back, that's another guy who's who's ahead of him. I don't know. I'm still stashing Jamison Williams even on some of my redraft teams, so I'm I'm uh, still uh, optimistic that he, you know, his talent is just enough to to earn him more work going forward. But um, you're definitely making the more rational case here. I don't know. I kind of like the I kind of like the Laporta ten targets, man. I want to see more of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also obviously own him on a lot of teams, so I'm. I don't want Jamison Williams' targets to come at Laporta's expense. Maybe Detroit can pass 54 times a game. Their defense I think the biggest hope is that he just does take on that kind of Will Fuller um, mm, yeah. role where he makes the entire offense efficient. Uh, obviously, Fuller did deliver fantasy points himself, but I think he's kind of fulfilling that role that NFL teams and coaches where you can have a deep threat that just opens up the entire offense and makes the entire offense more efficient, even if that doesn't mean that's Jamison Williams that's benefiting in the box four. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, anyone else? Anything else we need to talk about? Any other big I think news? We hit on make? all the guys. We hit on, hit on. This is a been. It's been a fun. It's been a fun week. Low scoring, but incredible uh, upsets. I mean, even as we talk right now, the Giants are losing to the Bills. Wandale went over his receiving prop, kind of sailed over it. Mm. Don't think we're going to see 29 and a half again. And uh, let's say Giants, Giants, are, Giants are beating the Bills, Giants not losing the to the Bills. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, the Giants <laughs> that, are beating the that's, Bills. That's the kind of week it's been. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, and they also 
uh, failed to run. Uh, they were in the red zone and they failed to, they ran one play and they ran out of time <laughs> and the ball had like a meltdown on the sidelines. Um, I, I think the chat has this right. We got to end on a Will Fuller mention because that's the only way to go out. That's yeah. exactly right. Uh, well, thank you so much, Dubner, for hanging out with us and coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thanks uh, to everyone in the chat as well. Make sure to subscribe uh, to the Rotoviz YouTube channel if you're not already. And uh, we will talk at you next time.